And welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. Back with my partner, back from Orlando, Mr. Yes, Brian Siegler. I am Curtis Wilson. And this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast is presented by Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts at Main Street Pharmacy. If you love this podcast, if you love the Hokies and the town of Blacksburg, make sure you are supporting Main Street Pharmacy when you make your way to town. Whether you need prescriptions, a tube of toothpaste, or just want to stop and say hello, let Jeremy and his team take care of you. The money that you spend at Main Street Pharmacy goes towards the things you love and support. So the next time you're in Blacksburg, head on down to 301 South Main Street and tell them Curtis and Brian sent you. Buddy. And grab a sticker. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. How was Orlando, first of all? It was pretty awesome, dude. It was pretty awesome. We uh, we had a good time. We were there for a week. Um, when you guys were uh, were on live last week, we were coming back from uh, from uh, MGM or the or Hollywood Studios, whatever it was. Um, we were head, heading to the parking lot when you guys went live. Got to jump in and watch a little bit um, on the trip back to the house. So it, it was pretty cool being on you- the other side of things there. You, you actually it was pretty funny brian was texting like all right get on a plane won't be able to see the game for the next hour then you're popping up and you're like oh, back i'm back i'm back i'm back i'm, I'm watching the game again but yeah um, yeah so we uh, we had a connecting flight we went we went to from richmond to charlotte and then charlotte to orlando so i was like all right i gotta kind of work work as much as i can pull out my phone watch a little bit here watch a little bit there um, I got to see all of the in real time, got to see all of the, uh, all of the first and all of the fourth and kind of spots here and there, the second and third. <laughs> nice. Well, well let, let's talk about that. Um, but before we talk about the upset of Liberty, the 23, 22 win, um, obviously, you know, on our minds and our thoughts, all the UVA tributes, which for both schools, give them massive kudos, give kudos around the country. I mean, when Liberty said they were going with their blue tech pivoted hard, you could tell there was no names on the back of jerseys. The orange rolled out, um, which Tally I'm sure is going to have conversations with us in about a month about wearing orange. We we're, we're good in orange. Um, but that was awesome to see the, the blue and the uh, orange there, the helmet stickers. Well, we're undefeated in all orange since, since Beamer, right? <laughs> I'd have to go look at that. Where's Clark? Where's Clark ruling that? Clark, if you're listening tonight, pop us a message about the record in orange because I know Clark would know. Um, the helmet stickers were awesome too. Again, from across the country. Um, but I think the one that got me and you, Brian, the most was what the football staff and Coach Pride did with Fontel Mines. Yeah, that that was big. Um like really great gesture, really good for Fontel. I know that was probably um, meant a lot to him to 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 be there and to be able to do that, um, you know, out front in front of everybody. I think that was that was a really good gesture, um, and I know I'm sure he appreciates it. Really, yeah. I mean, he was up there with the three players, with Coach Pry, leading them out um, onto the field with the UVA Saber flag. It was just really cool to see. And all that, you know, you, you you know these guys were playing with both schools. Both schools, you're playing that with on the th- back of your mind. You know, Lynchburg is an hour. Charlottesville, roughly two hours. It's it's not like these schools are 
you know, six hours apart. They're up the yeah. road. Yeah, a yeah. lot of these guys played with each other. So, um, I guess guys played with each other in high school, played with each other in uh, college, against each other in high school. So, I mean, it's, yeah, there's there, there's still a brotherhood across these uh, these teams in the Commonwealth. Absolutely. Well, Brian, let's say this: it's finally good to be wrong. It is. First time in a while, man. First time in a while we have been wrong on picking against the Hokies. And, you know, we love to see it. And, you know, let's jump right into it. Let's talk about the side of the ball that maybe played its best game, and that's the offense and, you know, especially the run game. If you take out – Grant Wells got sacked six times. Not good. You know, somewhere on him, somewhere on the O-line. But if you take out all of his sacks against the net – the Hokies ran the ball over at 4.7 a carry. Yeah. I joked with Brian, Brian, if we ran 4.7 a carry, what would our record be all year? And you're like, seven wins, maybe eight wins. Like at least, at least at least six. I mean, minimum at least six. six. I'm going high in there. And I mean, it, it was led obviously by Jalen Holston, 99 yards, three touchdowns, career day for him. Um what did you see? I know you looked at a little extra tape, you know, the last couple of days. What what was it different about – he looked different Saturday just watching him live. And I know you've looked a little bit deeper at the tape than um, I've had a chance to. Uh, I mean, it helps that the holes were a little bit bigger than they've been for him all year. So that, that was uh, – <laughs> that was beneficial. Um, we were moving some bodies a little bit more, not necessarily getting to the second level like I'd like to see, but – we were able to move the guys on the defensive line a lot better than we have for most of the season. And that enabled Holston to kind of get those, you know, three to five yard chunks instead of those one to two yard chunks we've been seeing from him for most of the season. hundred percent. And then Keyshawn King and his sort of spell backup change of pace role, 11 for 78. I mean, he came in and exploded. Um, Not only with that also had a big pass play. We'll talk about, but I was looking back and I was going through the data and the stats after the game. And I think the big key here, Brian, you kind of mentioned it. We're going to talk about the offensive line in a few minutes here. But those two guys had a combined negative two yards in the net. That's huge. Yep. Because it it tells – when I talked to you about it, it tells told you that basically there was no penetration on the defensive side of the ball – or if it was, it was at the line of scrimmage. It was not in the backfield. Exactly. Yeah, a lot, not a lot of negative plays in this one. Um, and th- that's really big for a team that's struggling offensively. If we're not backing up, but whether it's the negative plays that we're allowing or if it's those unforced errors, if we're not backing up a lot, you're going to have a lot more success. You're going to have a lot more sustained drives. You're going to be able to keep your offense on the field more and that that was big for us because I mean when we look at the like time of possession and plays ran and stuff like that, this is one of our better games in those two metrics all year. Yeah, and it, it seemed like we were just going forward. The guys were always going forward, falling forward. Where I feel like that's such a big key in this thing. Um, Brian, I know. Yeah, he's smiling. He's going to talk about next. The <laughs> offensive line, definitely probably the best run game of the season, without yeah. a doubt. I yeah. mean, I don't think it's even a question. 
Um, I know you mentioned me right before he went on. You said this the last couple of games might have been Parker Clement's best games. He's definitely from where he was. I mean, it's slow. It's like Again, he's getting we're back not more. beating. We're not beating the world here, but it's better. Than, we're, we're, we're getting back to where we. I think we expected him to be, and I think it goes. Good evening, Lavar. How you doing tonight? It goes back to I was telling you. It's like it's the muscle memory thing Robbie talked about last week, right? Is it finally kicking in? What Rudolph and what Bowen want him to do are finally. Is it finally connecting? In his body, like you know, you, you've told me before, is you're supposed to take this step in this scheme. Yeah. And is it finally he's taking the right steps and things like that? Well, we talked about it, and we, we you know, when we talked about the the jumping off sides thing, you know, we said that a lot of that is you're thinking too much up here about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and mm-hmm. how you need to get a step and all this other stuff. If you're trusting your technique, if you feel like you you know how the play is going to go, what your responsibility is, and you're not thinking a whole about a whole lot of shit pre-snap, it's going to be a lot easier for you to execute. Absolutely. Now, for one guy, especially in the run game, to be his first time on a college field, we saw Xavier Chaplin for the first time playing left tackle. Um, now, every time he did have Silas at guard, so he had – you know, that that old friend that we know Silas was always going to be better at guard. But when you got a chance to not look at – not only looking at it live when you saw big number 65 come in, but when you got to look at the tape, what was he doing where it's like, first of all, holy shit, he's a freshman and we saved his red shirt. <laughs> yeah, we saved his red shirt. He's out there moving bodies in the run game um, pretty consistently. Um I, I would say, I mean, from a, from a run game perspective, probably the best blocking from a, a left tackle we've had for the year for the plays that he was in there. Um, we obviously saw that he had a couple couple plays here or there that weren't great, <laughs> especially in the past game. But I, I, I really liked what I saw from him in the run game for the for the snaps that he was in there. Yeah, he did get kind of abused on the 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 sack for a safety. But there were a couple times he got Darrell Robinson, who is their best defensive end, and he is yeah. a guy you can see with some of the moves. He he made some big plays Saturday um, for Liberty. There were a couple times he got a hold of him, and Robinson's like a super senior. So he's 21, 22 years old. He's a full-grown man, and I, he just, just boop, like, yeah, you're nothing. He locked him in. He washed him out. Yeah. Just hammered him. Hammered him. Um, Now, there were quite a few sacks. I think the total was six. Yeah, six total sacks. Um, Just looking at it, they weren't all on the line. There were a couple times where Grant Wells was – I don't know what he was doing. (laughs) I'd say at least two were on Wells. Okay. Um, Because, I mean, there were a couple where – he took the sack when he could have easily just gotten rid of the football. Um, and then there was one where you, where you want him to take the sack. So that that's kind of – if it's not there, you'd rather him take the sack and throw it away so the clock keeps moving. Yeah. So, again, not all on him. And I know you said you saw it from Chaplin, but Chaplin's a true freshman. First time ever playing. 
and so that is what it is. I know. Um, and I know you had a beef with with him being in that situation, close around the goal line. I did not like that. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, bro. He, he the text is like it was like we were at the five, and it's just like I wouldn't put him in here, and they did. But you know, it in the end, it didn't kill us. It came close with a one point game and giving up a safety. <laughs> it came close. But I think if anything with him, it's now look what they did to you. How do you counter when they do this again? It's on film. And the yep. thing that me and you have talked about all year for certain guys, getting it live, seeing the game speed. The, the moment didn't seem too big for him. And the stuff that he struggled with is stuff that can be cleaned up. And it's probably attributed to being a guy who's 18 years old. Yeah. And I think the 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 big thing, when you text me, I was like, all right, I haven't been watching. You know, I, I at that point I just watched the third quarter or the the first quarter. Um, I'd been kind of flipping in here. I was like, how much has he, you know, gotten snap wise up up to this point? You're like, he's played a lot. I was like, all right, then if he's if it, if it's his time to go in, it's his time to go in. You did say um, that. I, th- that's just how it is. Um, if you're getting a guy used to game speed, game situations then you're, you're going to put him in there. You see what he can do. See what you got. 100%. 100%. All right, Brian, before we move over to the pass game, let's just – because it's the night before Thanksgiving, this is what I'm drinking on tonight, a little smooth ambler contradiction whiskey, uh, 92 proof. A little whiskey and water over here for me. What are you drinking on? Uh, I got a little, uh, little whiskey and ginger. There we go. Whiskey and genuine. I got a beer in the hole. Beer in the hole. I'm just gonna pick another one of them when I'm done with that one. Do 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 share of what you're drinking on tonight if you're listening out there. All right, pass game. Brian, if I told you last Tuesday, Caleb Smith is gonna have one catch for five yards. Did you think this would be a win for the Hokies? I would have said, yeah, we losing that one. <laughs> Ain't, ain't no way that we're going to pull it out if, if Caleb's getting one catch for five yards. Because um, th- to me, that sounds like we're not doing a whole lot through the air. And we didn't do a whole lot through the air, but we did a lot more than I would have expected given that Smith had one catch for five yards. Well, we were efficient through the air. I mean, yeah. uh, Grant did not turn the ball over. We didn't have any turnovers all day. Um, you know, he threw for 70%. He did take some sacks. He threw for 70%, though. 14 to 20, but of those 14 completions, 10 were either to tight ends or running backs. So, you know, and I know some of the plays were big. They were little check downs. Like, I mean, Gallo had that flat pass where they just kind of forgot about him and he made them absolutely pay. And then, you know, your boy, your boy, your boy played a little bit more. There were some times where Gallo was not on the field with Daquan Wright. He was by himself out there, and he popped a big play as well. Yeah, yeah. We uh, saw a little mix here and there with the tight ends. Um, good to see Wright kind of get back into the game plan there uh, after kind of being somewhat absent the previous two games. Um, get him back involved in the offense. Uh, Gallo kind of getting lost on a couple plays. They, they, they lose him. He's able to get up field, get some good yardage. Um, and then we had kind of strategic uh, first down catches, move, like stick movers from 
from Blue and Lofton, respectively. So, I mean, that that was kind of mm-hmm. a little bit of everybody working in there. Yep. Um, you know, and, and kind of took up some of the slack that we had from from Caleb not having a lot of targets. No. Because he wasn't targeted very much either. It wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't. just that, you know, he only had one catch of five yards. He didn't have a ton of targets. He didn't have a ton of targets at all. And, you know, we, we, we talked about the, the little short stick movers. Jaden Blue had one of those, Lofton. Um, Keyshawn King had quite a few checkdowns along, had a couple checkdowns along with a big play. And yep. we, we had three really explosive plays. And each of those three explosive plays helps set up things for us. Um, I'll tell you what King does so well in the passing game is that he catches those little those little dump downs or those little quick swings and he's got that like just a little extra gear that the linebacker or the safety think they have an angle on it and they don't and next thing you know what looks like a two to three yard gain ends up being a first down (laughs) or 25 yards down the field if everybody plays bad angles um there were a couple passes though that Wells didn't miss that could have been big, but they were just a hair late. And again, seeing the things we're seeing, where you know he kind of is what he is. A uh, couple big to me, two of the biggest stats was the third and fourth down conversions. Hokies nine of twenty-one, three for three on fourth on that, right at fifty percent. I'll I'll take that every day. I'll take that every day between third and fourth down. You're gonna be right at fifty percent and. How about in the red zone? We had four opportunities, or excuse me, five opportunities because at the end there. Yeah. Uh, but they punched it in three times. And and they punched it in when it mattered. They did take a couple risks and everything. But those stats, we've talked about it kind of all year, right? We've talked about it a lot. We've talked about the run game. We've talked about third down. We've talked about red zone efficiency. Yep. For the first time all year, everything was on the right side. Yeah. Yeah. We, we finally kind of put, you know, we talked about keys every week, right? Yes, we do. And usually we're good for about, you know, we usually have two or three on each side of the football and maybe we hit one of those on each side of the football, maybe two on the defensive side. We we finally got the offense where they were hitting about two two or three of the of the keys. They were actually okay. Yeah. Okay. Check. We actually checked yeah. them off here. Yeah. And the thing is, I didn't even talk about those keys. I didn't. I didn't. Because I had preached them all year and I'm like, okay, I'm changing this up. The keys were tackles for loss on them and us. Yeah. They did their thing, but we we matched them in the tackles for loss in the sacks category. You know. Yep. You know. And the thing is, a couple of our sacks, we had five, um, 12 total tackles for loss, five sacks. A couple of our sacks were the one thing I said. I said, we have to win the turnovers. This is a team that turns the ball over. If we can get turnovers, we got two. One led to a touchdown. The other read the game out. Yep. Kudos on the defense, which we'll talk about in a little while. Special teams was more of a – was the stock market, though. There were some high highs and there were some ugly lows. Um, big time, big time, the, man. So you, you, you opened it up. We got a trick play. I mean, we finally, we finally see. Okay, we, we get a, we get a fake punt there. 
which was uh, no fake field goal, field fake goal. Field goal. Sorry, fake, fake field goal. goal. Little apologize. John, little freshman John Love running for his life gets a first down. But it was hey, he like, held on to the ball though. He, he held on to because he that was a big hit, and, and they a, went for a, the ball. That was a hit, but the perfect little option there. Um, Peter Moore, the last couple weeks has looked more consistently like Peter Moore. Yeah, we've talked about there are some games where he starts out booming and then. He looks like crap for a while, then he gets back. This game, he looked good. I mean, negative nine punt yards because DeMario decided to try to field that punt, which he should not have. Um, but there were some issues in the in the kick return game. I mean, we gave up a touchdown in the kick return to Shidro Lewis, a guy who had been out. Um, and we gave up some other big ones. You know, DeMario Douglas had a 37-yard kick return. So, it wasn't perfect by any means, but I guess you can say I guess special teams offset. Yeah, probably like probably a net zero here, but you know you, you hate it on the you know the side of things where you allow a touchdown on a kickoff, and some of that is complacency. I think we get used to guys kicking it deep, guys not bringing it out of the end zone, and next thing you know, you know you're not taking you're not where you need to be. True. Um, so very true. And I think probably we we saw probably more returns out of the end zone in this game than we've seen for most of the year. And I I think it maybe mentality wise, it just they weren't ready to have to cover that many kicks, which is it, it's a wild thing to say, but yeah, it's true. But all in all, that kind of washed out. Now let's flip the defense. Because this defense surrendered 13 points to a team averaging 30. Yes, it does say 22. I don't count special teams. Um, and obviously, I take the safety off the board. I strictly look at what the defense gave up. They gave up 13 points on a team yep. that's averaging 30. They gave up 332 total yards, which is almost 100 yards less. And when you take a look at a one-point game, every yard matters – 50 yards here, there could have been the difference where the Hokies are on the L. But Brian, I think the thing that maybe we, we, we had said it needs to happen and it did. Brent Price says after the game, Chris Marv calls the game. And I think you noticed some stuff about Pry on the sideline. Um, when you heard about it, you kind of, again, I didn't, I'm trying to watch the game, but I also have kids running around the house, but you said, you noticed something about Brent Pry while you were watching the game that you hadn't seen previous. I mean, he looked more engaged with what was going on on the, especially on the offensive side, but also with with the defense being able to understand the situation a little bit more. I think you you saw that you know with the the fake field goal. I mean, you saw that with how we kind of closed the game out, both on the defensive side and on the offensive side. It just looked like we were more put together and organized in those moments that mattered. Now, let me ask this. You watched parts of the game live. I know you've looked at some tape. Any noticeable differences on the way Chris Marv called the game from what you've seen with the tape with Brent Pry? Um, I saw a little bit more cover two um, than we had seen with Pry recently. Um I saw more consistent aggressiveness. Um, and I think we saw 
a little bit more of a mix and match with some personnel that we hadn't seen uh, with Pry. Um, and I think some of those things ended up paying off for us. And we'll talk about a little bit of that here, when we, especially when we get to the linebacking unit. Absolutely. Um, well, well, let, let me ask this: when when you say we saw a lot more cover too, is it just the scheme we're playing, or is, do you think this is more a philosophical thing with Marv? Where I know, like, what's for those out there because you've explained it to me, but explain what a cover two does for your defense and what it allows all the position groups to do. So in particular, I mean, we let our defensive line kind of eat a little bit more. We were a little bit more attacking with the linebackers, particularly with the Will. Um, we've been blitzing a lot with Sam. We blitzed a little bit more with Will this week. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that paid off okay. um, with the way we were rolling coverages in that cover too. Um, How did Chamari look? We, we did freak. some like man under when we did those. We did two man under when we did some okay. of those blitzes. So. Okay, so we were sort of attempting to, if they were going to sometimes run cross, it was a zone blitz. Sometimes it was it was it was a two man okay. under look. Okay, got it, got it. All right, well, let's talk about those position groups. And um, I know we want to hit the linebackers, but I want to hit them second because I feel like Robbie kind of called out the D line last week. I don't know if any of them listened, but they answered because they had their best day of the year, especially Taiwan Garbett. Six tackles, three tackles were lost, two sacks. He forced the game clinching fumble yep i mean he, he looked he had been banged up for the last month he looked healthy and he looked you know like taiwan we expected all year yeah he was firing off the ball there there was one when i was uh, looking at the tape later um it was a sack that he got and th- this was showing that he was the where he needed to be physically because he kind of had ran out of the play got blocked and the quarterback was stepping up about to take off to run and he covered covered ground so quick and just got him to the ground um one where i was looking at i was like yeah he's we're about to see a first down run here and then all of a sudden he he closes the gap and and brings him down for like a one or two yard sack and i was like oh okay that that's a little different we haven't seen that in a few weeks that's 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 also awesome to hear about that um, now let's also talk about the inside guys because a couple of those guys had some good games and we saw a, a young face we'd seen a little earlier. Pollard gets a sack. Kendrick just a tackle loss. Saw Kendrick bat a few balls down. Yep. And we saw Moiston get some more run, including a tackle for loss. Um, Kendrick's again, best game by far the whole season. Okay. okay. And he'd been playing good. He'd been playing. He'd been getting a lot of mentions. But again, is it that cover two and the cover two man under where it's like, listen, we've got the two safeties back. If something's given up underneath, it's okay. Go attack. Yeah. And we we were kind of playing around with that coverage too. And I think that let them I think they we were we were twisting a lot more too up front. And that gave them a little bit more opportunity in the in the pass rush game to kind of create some confusion, get the hands up, make some plays there. Nice. So again, defensive line, you know, again, looked really good against Liberty. Now let's go to the linebacker room because this is the one that kind of maybe we we saw some foreshadowing to 2023 for the Hokies. Now, first of all, give kudos to Dax. Dax felt like the normal Dax Dax production. 
you know, six tackles. He had a sack. He had a tackle and a half for loss. But then you look at Kalai Lawson, second on the team in tackles with five. He had a sack. He had two tackles for loss. He had a fumble recovery. And when I saw that fumble recovery where he was located, I said, Brian, I can't really see it on a live film. Where's he playing? So where was he aligned a lot of the day, Brian? Uh, Most of the time he was at will, um, which we hadn't really seen him play in about a month. Yeah. Um, He's mostly been kind of rotating in at Sam the last uh, four games. Uh, He was playing a lot of will and, and doing a lot of big things there. Um, probably definitely had his best game playing will of the season. Um, he looked like the, the moment was never too big for him. He was only, you know, really out of position out of, out of, out of, out of the spot. Um, a handful of times in the game, uh, he was really active, uh, rushing the passer. Um, and he did a good job in coverage. That's awesome to hear because I say foreshadowing, because if he's playing will Tisdale did not play as much at will. And I'm wondering if, if Tisdale comes back, do you think Tisdale would have enough of a grasp of the defense to move over to Mike and where Lawson would be the will linebacker? That's a great question. And that's something that I'm going to keep my eye on this offseason if he comes back because that's something that could give us some more athleticism at the linebacker position across the board, which is probably mm-hmm. the one area that we have struggled in. Mm-hmm. Um is is athleticism at Mike. You know, Dax is who he is. We we know that. Um when he's coming forward towards the line of scrimmage, pretty darn good. When he's having to retreat, when he's having to, to chase guys in coverage, not as great, right? So True. um, you know, if we can put Tisdale in that position and we still, you know, we got other guys that are that are haven't played as many snaps that are gonna probably gonna have something to say about that. Um, but if you bring back Tisdale, you at least have a proven commodity at that, at that spot. Um, and I know Pry isn't afraid to go undersized at Mike. No, so no, no, he's not at all. Um, but again, I, I think seeing Lawson there and then see him play as well as he did. Yeah. If he had just had an average game, but he was clearly. Oh, I mean, watching him go sideline to sideline is ridiculous. The, the amount of ground he covers and how quick he covers it is crazy. I was watching one pursuit and like it was him and Dax kind of moving in tandem, but it was like for every two steps Dax was taking, Lawson was taking one and covering the, you know, the same ground in those two. It's like, he, he, so he was catching up with, with Dax pretty damn quick there. Um, and it's just, it, I mean, he, he moves so well. So, I mean, if he can kind of get, again, another 10 or 15 pounds on him and, and get a little bit more comfortable in the system, the sky's the limit for what he can do. Awesome. Awesome. Let's talk about the Sam because, again, Keonta Jenkins tied for the team, lead in tackles, had a you know a tackle for loss as well. And Walker, I know you said you mentioned he didn't have a great game, but he showed that ability to spell. And I think – Although as dynamic as Lawson is at Sam, I think Keonta Jenkins is that steady Eddie. Just talking with him earlier this year, he's going to do the right thing. He's going to be in the right place. He knows what he's supposed to do there. And as you go into next year, 
we were worried about we're going to lose we're going to lose a Sam. I don't think we worry about that anymore. Because I nah, do think but, I think but, I think Lawson now, if, if you if you get Lawson settled in at will, then nah, then you know you, you still have Jenkins, and then you have you know Walker getting enough reps where he feels comfortable. You're riding out another year, right? Hundred um, percent. And Jenkins, I mean, the first two series where we we forced them off the field real quick. I mean, he was the guy getting it done. And late in the game, he was the guy kind of getting it done too. When the, when the defensive line was feasting, you know, he was the guy that was kind of cleaning up some stuff if the ball did get out there. Nice. All right, let's talk one more piece. Let's talk about the secondary. And um, that first touchdown drive did not look pretty for the secondary. No. no. Um, you know, you had the big throw down the sideline on the third down there. Um just out a good position to kind of make a play on the ball. Um, after that, you had the big run. Hawkins gets a bad run fit, kind of gets ate up by the tight end. Um, and then the next play, they, it's the quarterback draw. Um, another bad run fit, loses leverage. You know, they were able to, to, to punch it in the end zone there. And, you know, some of that, they, they kind of work themselves into a good alignment to, to work against for that draw. Um, by motioning the running back out of the backfield, but you know when when you're there, you're able to to make the play. You got to you got to get a good fit, not lose leverage, and and come in there and make the play. But you know after that, they settled down, um, completely, only giving up two field goals the rest of the game. Yep. And I tell you what, Mansour Delane, he, holy crap! the The progression that young man has made throughout this year is crazy. Um, Chris Coleman pulled a stat out there on Twitter the other day. They targeted him six times. One catch, negative yards. <laughs> That's a great day for a corner, regardless what you say. He also forced a fumble that Kalai Lawson uh, recovered. And he himself, you, you just feel you, where he came from, you know, it's a good football university or good football high school. But how much should we be looking at Derek Jones? Because – with Derek Jones, you know, you've got the other guys he's coaching, right? A lot of them have been here a while. Mansoor is a clean slate. Mansoor came in exact – how much credit should Derek Jones be given um, in the development of Mansoor? I mean, you got to give him some credit here because, you know, he, he identified that he's got a young talent there that can step in and, and be this really big-time contributor in year one. Um. And, you know, I think in terms of when we talk about coaching and we talk about scheme, um, Delane having that clean state, I I think, did did benefit him because he's he's not trying to get rid of any bad habits. He's not trying to get rid of old technique. There's none of that stuff kind of gumming up the, the mentals. And, uh, and and I think that helped him and that, that helped him be able to kind of almost be on a, even footing with the veterans kind of starting the year. And it was just, you know, the physicality and speed of the game had to get where it needed to be. But, you know, in terms of the mentals, he picked it up real quick. And that was one of the things they talked about at the start of the season that he had really picked up what he was supposed to be doing really quickly. And it was, it was all about, you know, again, physicality, speed of the game. So, and, and he got there pretty quick as well. Um, 
And, you know, when you look at him and then you get strong back next year, I think that's, that's a solid one too that, that, that you feel pretty good about. Well, plus having guys like Cam Johnson who played this year some where they've gotten their feet wet, where they've seen what it's like, where you you know that there was a couple times Johnson made good plays, there were some struggles, but you essentially you kind of know, okay, just from looking at it 10,000 feet, he can play Division One college football. Yeah. He's not getting crushed out there and looking terrible. He's he's We've got some steps to make, but he'll make them. Exactly. You know, Brian, the one thing me and you've talked about, especially in the fourth quarter this year, because the fourth quarters have not been favorable to the Hokies. The ODU game, the Pitt game, Miami at the end, Georgia Tech, NC State. There are five games right there that essentially the Hokies lost in the fourth quarter. But this was different. This fourth quarter looked completely different. The Hokies controlled that quarter beginning to end. Yeah, we finally saw complimentary football in the fourth quarter. You start the fourth quarter down, your offense scores, and your defense holds, and then your offense runs out the clock. A novel fucking concept, but we hadn't done it all year. All year. (laughs) Game Um, 11. And and, and it it was the best four quarter defensive game we've seen. Yeah. Hands down. Uh, they played good defense for four quarters. Um, we didn't see the fourth quarter collapse that we've seen recently. And some of that has to do with what we talked about earlier with the offense controlling the flow of the game. Yes. Even when we're not putting up a ton of points, the flow of the game was controlled. The defense wasn't on the field getting worked. And so you had complimentary football and the defense was able to close it out, get a big play when they were kind of getting uh, you know, a good drive by Liberty going there, made a big play, got the ball back. Offense gets on the field. Drives down. Takes drives some, down, closes some it time out. Takes some time off the clock and drive down because that play – that uh, that touchdown late was a it was a, it was about a, it was a five and a half minute drive, yeah. And so Liberty goes from being down where it's like we have time to score to okay, it's under eight minutes. We we've you know we've only put one score on this team today. We've only put one score on this team, and that was at the beginning of the first quarter. And at that point, they'd only had three drives that really got them a, across the Hokies' 40. It's true. It's true. So so it was great to see. It was great to see. So we, we closed the book on the Liberty game. Hokies get their third win of the year. Um, it felt good. All right, Brian, let's flip to it. Let's talk about it just a little bit here. Um, the cancellation of the Commonwealth Cup game this weekend. Um. That's what happens when you don't mute your other computer you're working from <laughs> right there. But um, in, in, in all seriousness, I don't think when everything happened last weekend or the weekend before that, excuse me, I, I, I couldn't foresee this game being played. I, just, I couldn't. Like, yeah. In all honesty. Um, so when they announced the cancellation earlier this week, I wasn't shocked and I completely get it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think when you look at, you know, the, the timing of everything, I think they, you know, there was, there was a good job by everyone communicating what was happening. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
and we we totally understand. I mean, I think yeah. that's that's the big thing. There's you know, you you lose a significant you know, three three significant members of your team. You got a lot of people that are absolutely hurting right now. Um, I could I could not imagine no. trying to focus on 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 a game of that magnitude Mm-mm. under those conditions. Um, no, no, no. And 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 just like you know, the, the Hokie said, we kind of left left the ball in uh, in UVA's court, and we're, we're kind of good either way that they wanted to play yep. it. No, that was one of the best things you saw all week is it's like, it's up to them. We're not going to push. We're not going to try to do anything. If they say they want to play, we will play. If they don't, we as a community completely get it. Um, And with that being said, I know, you know, Alan Tisdale said, I think the week before the Liberty, during the Liberty game and just saying, you know, if, UVA didn't want to play, you know, we should head down to Charlottesville with some of the players and just kind of show the respect. It's football, and this is bigger than football. It is bigger than football. Yep. You know, we, we talked about it last week at the beginning of the episode. Three young men lost their lives, and it's amazing Mike Hollins is is out of the hospital right now. Um, And, you know, it, 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 it stinks because it's, you know, usually right now we'd be flipping to know your enemy, know the enemy. We'd be – shit talking UVA (laughs) going all after it. It would have been a fun hate week, but in this case, you know, you you move forward. You you help that community and that team as much as possible. Um, you know, just as human beings. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing but love this week. We we talk about this will be hate week, but, but this week it's nothing but love, nothing but love, nothing but love. All right, Brian, let's flip over. Let's talk a little Hokies news, other sports. Um, Let's talk about the men's hoop team. Uh, you know, starting the season out, you know, what, four and one, five and one. Five and one. Five and one, excuse me. Got to remember there were two games played. Um, but they lose in the finals of the Charleston Classic to the College of Charleston, where one of my cousins go. Um, and the thing is, other than the first game, and really the first, the Hokies – did not play a good three games down there at all to be in the championship game game, especially with Penn state game went where they couldn't hit a three after the seven minute mark. I think is what it was the rest of the game. They didn't, they didn't shoot well in, in really the, the last three games there. No, not at all. So, and particularly the Penn state game, the Penn state game was about as ugly of a shooting game as we'll probably see from them all year. Um, but they didn't shoot particularly well, especially in the second mm-hmm. half against Charleston. They didn't shoot, um, that well, um, earlier in the tournament. So, I mean, it's just, you know, we're probably feel good about how this played out considering how poorly they shot. Yeah. But at the same time, you're kind of disappointed because those were, that, that was a tournament that you should have won and you didn't. Hundred percent should have won, and even you played like that's that's kind of the the way you weigh it. There, it's like okay, well, considering how bad we shot, we did all right, but that was a winnable tournament that we didn't win. Yeah, it's those things that you know we we didn't want to see this happen, right? Because we know that last year there was that lull, 
for a while. Yeah. And we've got to get there with minimal losses um, for uh, Ford. You, you don't want to put yourself in the same situation you were in last year where you've no. got to – You've got you know, to win out, and you got to win the ACC tournament. No, we don't want that. You, you don't want to have to be perfect after Valentine's in, <laughs> in order to make the tournament. So, again, you know, okay, an okay start. The next few games here, I'm trying to pull it up on my uh, phone because, you know, I had to run out. Uh, we need cornstarch for tomorrow for one of my wife's dishes, and she thought she had some, but she didn't. I went to two grocery stores. Do not attempt to buy cornstarch the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, paprika either. Zero. Oh, <laughs> oh, did you have the same thing? I had to run out and get some paprika earlier. Nothing. Um, so I went to Food Lion. Nothing in the in any of the racks for paprika, like four or five different brands. But the Food Lion brand, uh, I pulled, you know, it has like the little like the roller thing. I yeah. pulled the rack out and there was some at the very back of the shelf that had fallen out the back of the rack. So I grabbed one of them bitches and got out of there. Lucky, lucky you. They had no <laughs> cornstarch anywhere. I went to Kroger and Food Line. Nothing. So, you know. I got some if you need it, man. I think Pull your up. mom has some. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I, think, I, think, I think I think mama has some. So I'm about to run over there in the morning and get some. But, you know, with the Hokies now, it's... It's Charleston Southern on uh, Friday. It's Minnesota in the ACC Big Ten Challenge at Castle next Monday, and then it's Carolina the Sunday after that. So this this really this three and then Dayton and Oklahoma State after that. This five game stretch is big. I think we'll, Hokies got to we'll find out, out a lot about them. We, we'll find we'll, a, find, out, find a lot about them. We'll the find out a lot about them. But if they don't get out four and one, I'm worried. Yeah. I'm worried, and I know yeah. I know. I, I know, I know. All right, women's basketball stays undefeated. They are top 15 ranked number 11 in the country. Um, did have a close call the other day where they have a pretty big lead in the fourth quarter, but smashed Missouri today, so good for the Lady Hokies. Um, well, when you happened- get up big on Kentucky in the first quarter, you can afford to you know let it get tight there at the end. <laughs> I just don't like tight. I prefer I- – I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm only not certain a fan circumstances of, where I like tight. Well, the only time I like tight is when it's not my team and I just want to be entertained. I mean, that's it. That's the only time I want tight. The only time I want tight. But again, they're five and zero, oh, um, and going to the finals of the uh, or that they win. No, they won. That was a championship game today. That so they won the. Yep. That was the the championship game of the. Uh, Pink flamingo. That's cool. Hopefully, you get a cool pink flamingo statue. Um, VT Wrestling. I know this was several weeks ago. They did lose to number four Ohio State, eighteen to thirteen. But Ohio State is a power, and to yeah. hang around where they did, this team's going to be good again. This team's probably going to win the ACC. This team's going to compete to have some guys potentially win national championships individually. Um. And it's it's really fun, right? Because if the ACC network has done nothing right, they've got Friday. They've nailed Friday nights during the winters. Yes, they have with the wrestling meets. They've finally they They finally got something right, and without having to get like a bunch of direction from everybody else, like we we weren't like actively complaining or campaigning. 
they just actually got it right on their own. And, and it's too good they for all, them. And the, and the thing is, the ACC is a good wrestling conference. Yeah, it's a good wrestling. So they have the six and the eights, and it's like this is entertaining. So l- l- let's hope the boys rebound and can take it. All right, Brian. <clears throat> I want to see your anger face here. Oh, it's coming. EA Sports announced this week that the NCAA football game is going to be delayed until 2024. <laughs> That's double bird Stone Cold Steve Austin style if you I, aren't watching tonight. I hate it. I hate it. And I'll tell you why I hate it. Because I know, knowing EA, we're not going to get a better product because of this delay. <laughs> That's Brian the fucking no, problem. That, Brian that's, has we're, no we're, we're gonna get like a, a slightly different version of Madden. It's still gonna be the same thing we're gonna fucking get in 2023. It's just coming a year later. <laughs> well, maybe they'll fool you, Brian. Maybe they're gonna come on completely. If they do plot. something that that actually gets that, that I'm impressed with, then I'll I'll give them the kudos in 2024. All right. <laughs> Fuck them though. Until then. Well, I mean, we were all excited, <laughs> right? I mean, you got I mean, consoles. So I was like, I gotta even even got with to- so I, I I just admitted I thought it was gonna be a somewhat bad and clone with some tweaks here and there. Yeah. I was still excited about it because I haven't gotten to play that since nine years. Yeah, 20, I mean, twenty fourteen, a new game, a new game. I, I've played it elsewhere, but I haven't played a new game in that long. All right. All right, so before we get into some more topics tonight, um, we're going to take a quick pause from our digital partners. As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. All right, Brian, let's flip it. Let's talk some other college football because I think between tomorrow's game or screen, well, tomorrow's games, NFL and the Egg Bowl, the Egg Bowl is always a uber entertaining game. Always. Friday, all day football. Saturday, all day football. Between doing decorations, blowing leaves, we're going to be locked in this weekend. And let's talk about the CFP rankings because – there are a few things on here that grind the fuck out of my gears. And <laughs> grind, it, they just What's do. the first one? Give me the all first right, one. Well, here's my first one. All right, first of all, let's go top six. Georgia one, Ohio State two, Michigan three, TCU four. No issues. None. None. By the way, the end of that TCU game, that might have been the most impressive thing I've ever seen, the way a special team unit got together and kicked that field goal to win that game. Massively impressed. Here's where my issues begin is at number five. The two lost LSU Tigers who lost by getting their asses handed to them in Death Valley against Tennessee. Not a one or two touchdown game, but they got their asses handed to them. And then their second loss is to Florida State, who Florida State looks to have a resurgent year. But that was basically a home game in which they botched at the end. They are ahead of the one-loss USC Trojans, 
I'm not the biggest Southern Cal fan. 18 years ago, officially made me hate them with that game in D.C. Southern Cal has lost one game. They just beat a good UCLA team. Yep. A good UCLA team. Their only loss was to Utah, who is another good team, who just went freaking Major League Two giant marbles at the end of a game in Utah. I don't like that. Utah or USC has lost one game this year. One game by one point. LSU has not. The other thing that grinds my gears is number seven. The Alabama Crimson Tide with their two losses are ahead of Clemson with their one loss. Yes, I know Clemson lost by several scores to Notre Dame, who is resurgent right now. It's the whole, I know you can lose multiple times in multiple ways, this team has lost once. Caliber of competition, that is all in the eye of the holder. That just irritates me. No two-loss team should be above a one-loss team this late in the season. So I'll tell you what grinds my gears the most, and that's LSU and Alabama being ahead of Tennessee. Okay. I don't care where, how low or high you have Tennessee – but LSU and Alabama need to be behind it. them as long as they have the same number of losses. Because they beat Alabama, they beat LSU. Yes, they did. They beat them. Things that happen on the field need to still fucking matter. <laughs> Not in the committee's eyes. You, you got to keep a certain. You got to keep a certain conference happy. You got to keep them happy. Um. I mean, but, they're setting it up now where they, they definitely are going to get two in. They're trying to sneak Alabama back into this bitch. They are. They're trying their best. I don't think that will happen because I think that will raise holy hell to everybody, especially if USC and Clemson went out. If USC, well, Right now, the, but, the no, only but reason. Wait but wait a second. What if Ohio State or Michigan's only losses to the other? I mean, you absolutely a, have to put in both of them before you put in any two-loss SEC game. You damn right I mean, you do. Got to. Common freaking sense, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. So, as we talk about the playoff, you know me and Brian, and we loved when the 12 idea came up. I just went into this mode this week of people continuously out there and some national media names, and I like the guy I listen to him personally. The only thing I disagree with him on a lot is Josh Pate, I disagree with him on the 12th talk because he thinks 12 is going to water down the sport. And I don't think he's looking at it through the right lens because I look, Brian, I don't know if you pulled it up tonight. I'm sure you did. I look the last week of the season, there are literally 20 teams that have a shot. If there was a 12-team playoff, there would be 20 teams that have a shot to make the playoff. Some are playing each other. Some are playing their, some of their biggest, most intense rivals. And because the, the CFP committee has already come out and set that precedent of the top six conference champions are in this or in regardless that Cincinnati two lane game. Dude, if they're going to, because the, the winner goes to the championship game regardless, they are going to have to pull everything out. That game is going to be so entertaining to watch because this is a de facto quarterfinal game. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a game where whoever loses is eliminated from the process. Eliminated. They have yeah. no chance. They have no and, chance. And the way we look at the 
the way you look at the rankings right now, the if this was 12 teams, the AAC is guaranteed that six spot. None of the other Power Five are in the top 25. You've got Tulane at 19. You've got UCF at 22. And you've got Cincy at 24. One of them's get one of them would be getting in. So you're talking about that game. The stakes aren't just go to the conference champion. The stakes are playoff. If we don't win this game, we can't make the playoff. And to, for those who say, well, well, these games just don't matter. Are you kidding me? You're, you're I can't. What, what time is that? I think that's a Friday afternoon game, which might mean I need to get the decorations up early. On there you Friday go. in the start, rain. Start early, man. Start early. Start at well, 10. I might need to do it tomorrow. I might need to do it tomorrow. Let me hold on. Let me look at that because I think that's a 3:30 kick. On no, that is a high noon kick. High noon. I, I might be going out tomorrow and putting up decorations. <laughs> All right, family, get the hell out of here. I gotta put some decorations. I gotta go decorations. Just leave me alone. But for real, though, and and then let's look at the Big 12, Brian. You're talking about Kansas State, if they win, they are in yeah. the Big 12 championship game. And what does that mean? In the future, it's going to mean, well, they have a chance to play for the playoff. They're playing Kansas. That's an in-state rivalry right there, man. That is, like, you tell me if you're Kansas. And, and right now, if you look at the actual standings, Kansas State would be the last team in if there was 12. If it was 12, Kansas State would be the last team in. Can you imagine like this game? Like, well, listen, if uh, if Kansas State beats Kansas, you know, they're probably holding on to that slot. They might get in where if they lose. We not only ruined your chances to get in at large. Now you have to win. Well, now you don't even make the Big 12 championship game for your chance, because if Texas wins, they get in. So yeah, these games don't matter. Oh, they don't matter. It's 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 watering down college football, Brian. It's not. It's not. And it's and it's not even more once we get to those divisionless conferences that everyone's moving to. Holy God, it's going to be even crazier. Yeah, it's going to be even crazier. And we talked about this earlier before we got on. You know, people saying the games don't matter late. Yeah, they still matter. Just they matter in a different way. So. They matter in terms of seeding. They matter in terms of cutoff. They matter in terms of who's playing for the conference championship that will ultimately decide who gets those top six bids. True. And so that th- it's just more. a different way of looking at it. It's not that the games don't matter. It's that the games matter in a different way. Well, wouldn't you say this, though? Wouldn't you say it elevates those games? It elevates them because more matter now. More matter now at the end. More matter. Because it's not just, oh, who's going to be the four? It's who's going to be the four and who's going to be the six? Who's going to be the six and the seven, depending on who wins the conference championship? Who's going to be the 12? Who has a chance to play to get in? Yeah. Think about it. You know, go back to what, 2011 with Tech and UVA. When the winner went to the ACC championship yeah how how big would that game have been it's like in the days or the future circumstances where it's like not only does the winner go to the championship if they win that game they're in the playoff yeah you're talking about taking it from intense rivalry to just going up just keep going up 
We're it's the see. reason that March Madness and and conference championship holy God. games are important. Think about Virginia Tech last year. We know now that Virginia <laughs> Tech would not have been in the Big Dance no. if they didn't win out. I mean, I know that they didn't turn that into a whole lot, but they wouldn't if, have been well, there to begin with. Worst matchup possible, though. It was. <laughs> the, they gave us the shit matchup. But, you know, we, we talk about even people who, you know, are in their time, like conference championship games. And I looked at Notre Dame, USC. Notre Dame, after that bad stretch, they figured themselves out. They've been beating good teams. If they beat, and this again, I'm, I'm looking forward. And I know this is hypothetical shit, but I love this shit. This is why I love college football. Yeah. You imagine if USC bumps or Notre Dame bumps USC this weekend and they go nine and three and they beat Clemson and they beat USC and they're only, they have two bad losses. They're only other losses to Ohio State and it was a war early in the season. They're fighting for a tw- probably a 10th or 12th seed. Yeah. They're fighting for it. And then USC now says, well, we've every good intentions we've had is gone because we lost that game. The only way we're getting in is to win a national is to win our conference. We have to win next week now. And it raises the stakes even more and more and more. So when you look at this thing and you kind of start going through it, because right now, this is this is who would be, and I'm going by ranks. This is who would be the conference champion. Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, Southern Cal. Clemson, and then I'm going to go Tulane because Tulane is the highest-ranked AAC team. After those six, it's Michigan, LSU, Alabama, Oregon, Tennessee, and Penn State. So Kansas State is one position out. So let's take it just one step further before we jump on to our big screeners because we've got a bunch this week. Alabama right now in a 12-team playoff would be poised to get in, right? Yeah, for sure. They would be, do you not think on the Plains Auburn would pull everything out of their ass to beat them, to keep them out? Yeah, I mean, they would go from a – if everyone below them won they, – They're out. They're out. They're out. Especially they're out. if Kansas State ultimately plays for the Big 12 and wins it. Then they're out, and then you're looking at TCU being in because TCU would have one loss. Exactly. But you sit there, and again, how much does it raise a game like the Iron Bowl? How much does it raise the big game? How much does it raise the Oregon-Oregon State this weekend? Like, Oregon's in that nine slot. If they win this weekend, they probably move up a little bit. They're probably secured to a 12. Oregon State beats them. Hey, win the Pac-12 next week against USC. It is elevating these rivalry games in week 13 or excuse me week 12 it is excuse me week 13 it is elevating these rivalry games to levels you've never seen because teams know we win we're probably in we lose we're either right there or we've got to win next week the rivalry games get some stakes back to them again as long as long as you're in the hunt to play for your conference championship it's true if you're in the well, if you're in the hunt to, for your conference championship, that's like that's almost like the back door, right? Hey, we can still win our conference championship. Like Alabama this year, Tennessee, who cannot make their conference championship, go lose to your in-state rival. I don't think you're going to make it in. You're not getting that at large either. Boop, you're gone. 
And I mean, it's crazy to think about that. So for everybody who thinks the playoff is going to lessen these games, for everyone who thinks these games won't matter as much, take a view this year and say, if this team beats that team, that team's out. And this year, the stakes don't matter. Think in the future. Think of what a coach would be saying. Think what Vanderbilt's coach would be saying to ten- about Tennessee. Yep, They're going to get in without their best player. and they, they have to let them in just based on merit. Y'all beat them on the field on Saturday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's you true, gone. Man. You gone. It's true. All right, Brian, um, let's go big screeners this week because, like I said at the beginning – Good Lord, all freaking mighty. <laughs> um, we got some good ones, man. We got we some good got, ones. We definitely got some big We got ones. some good ones that matter. Well, and the so, top one I put on the list. Yeah. I mean, this is either going to be who's five or who's four. The, the winner, the winner, the loser is going to be five or four. Yep probably when all is said and done. So Michigan, Ohio state high noon, Saturday, number two versus number three. Um, which also makes, we, we're going to have to get up and get to moving and <laughs> lock down. It's like no, no extra sleep on Friday or Saturday into Friday into Saturday. That game, Brian is a seven and a half point Ohio State is the favorite. What are you thinking on this one? Um, I don't like the I don't like the spread, but I do like Ohio State to win it. All right, all right, Brian's Brian's. So I'm, I'm not I'm not taking the if it, if it was money line, I I take Ohio State, but I'm gonna take Michigan with the spread. Yeah, the whole thing is all about Blake Corum to me on that one. Because I yeah. think if Corum plays, I think Michigan can win that game outright. Um, <clears throat> I think Ohio State has seen a defense like this once all year. One time, all year they've seen a defense like this. <clears throat> and that was at the beginning of the season, right? That was when they played yeah. Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman, and they scored 21 on them in the horseshoe. I'll be very honest with you. I think um, – I think Michigan's a lot more dynamic with wh- whether Corm's there or not. I think if Corm plays, I think Michigan wins. I think if he doesn't, I think it is a war. It's like a 27-26 battle. I take Michigan in the points. Because again, Ohio State hasn't seen this good of a defense. I think they're gonna they're gonna run into some think of the Northwestern game. Because Pat Fitzgerald just knows how to prep a defense. It's gonna be similar to that and it's gonna be close. Yep. All right. The next one I'll talk about, Brian, let's go to the number four team in the country. And some people will be, might be asking, well, why are you talking about the TCU-Iowa State game? Iowa State's four and seven. They're not good. You know, it's a struggle bus. Brian, the last time a top, a top five team, and they were number two at the time, came into Ames, Iowa, it was about 11 years ago. Do you remember that game? I do. Oklahoma State it rolls didn't go in the, the way they wanted to. <laughs> if Oklahoma State wins, they are in the national championship game in Oklahoma State loss. That wasn't a, that was the pre-Matt Campbell era out in Iowa State, too. So a lesser, to me, a lesser coach team. 
TCU's going in there after what they did at Baylor. And again, for those who did not see it, go to YouTube and find that. A, the stones of Sonny Dykes to run a play on second and seven and like a play play, not a, well, we're just going to run it up the gut and then we're going to get behind and we're going to spike the ball and bring our kicker out. No, they ran like some sort of flat, like a running back flats play. Yep. And he gets tackled short of the line to gain. And they were, I, I, I was just like in awe. Because that was going on the same time the Hokies game had ended. That was going on like five minutes after it happened. All right. Now for this one, Brian. Now, luckily, this one, it's not in Ames. It's at Fort Worth. TCU is a 10-point favorite. The over-under is 47 and a half. Um, do Sonny Dykes. And the TCU Horn Frogs punched the ticket undefeated regular season. I think they get it done. Um, uh, it's going to be close, though. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a little bit of a slog. Um, TCU's a good team, but they obviously have some flaws. Um, we'll see if, if Iowa State can take advantage of those and kind of keep it a little bit closer than it should. All right. Just so you know, just so you know, here are Iowa State's. They've got seven losses. Here are their loss totals. They lost to Baylor by seven. They lost to Kansas by three. They lost to Kansas State by one. They lost to Texas by three. They lost to Oklahoma by 14. They lost to Oklahoma State by six and Texas Tech by four. That team don't get blown out. No. I, TCU wins like 26-20. 27-20, I'll take Iowa State's in the points. I'd, I'd take 10 points because I think what you said, I think Campbell's going to make that a slog. I do think just because of what happened last week, I think the focus for TCU, a lot easier to focus on, right? Yeah. After you have a game like that, like, listen, we can lose at any point in time. All right, this is one of those, Brian, when we talk about the CFP. If this was a year from now, or two years from now, I think it's going to be a year because I think they're going to push this thing through next year. Clemson, South Carolina. Clemson, South Carolina, the Battle of the Palmetto State. And Clemson, say what you want to say, are are, are this close to getting in, probably this close to being an at-large even if they lost to Carolina, as long as they won this game. This would be a game like – Two years from now, that would be massively interesting if they the team's exactly where they were, yep. because South Carolina could absolutely say, "Well, now you have to win the ACC. You're not getting that large. You have to win the conference." And uh, what's interesting is this is at Clemson. It is a high noon also on Saturday, so Michigan, Ohio State will be there. <laughs> Clemson, South Carolina will be over here. I'll have uh, I'll have the big one here. The other one just above it here. We'll, we'll hit some other 12 o'clockers, I'm sure, here. Um, but what are you feeling on this one? Uh, Clemson, 14-and-a-half point favorite. 52 uh, the over under. South Carolina coming off a huge win over Tennessee, where, unfortunately, Hendon Hooker tore his ACL, which is sad as shit yeah. for us as Hokie fans, just loving that guy. Because, I mean, um, he's still – I'd say the favorite or the second favorite for the Heisman win or lose in that game because, I mean, he was still balling. So, 
Um, I'm kind I'm, I'm kind of back again where I was with with Michigan and Ohio State. <laughs> Robbie, <laughs> cock smack. Yeah, uh, I'm. I don't think they're going to lose outright. I do think that. Give me South Carolina the points. I think Clemson wins the game, but it's yeah. a dog fight. It is a dog fight. James got them playing good, got confidence with them right now. I'm, I'm on with you on that. I think you take South Carolina and the points. Um, just because of Clemson's game flow all year, it's they're not going to blow anybody out. Nope. It's If they're going to beat them by over 14 points, it's going to be a slow grind, and South Carolina's going to make a few mistakes late. I think Shane will find his dad's enter and be like, if it's a seven-point game late, he's going to play tight to the vest and hope they do something because of – you know, the quarterback there and the mistakes he can make. All righty. Saturday night, we go to – I believe we are in the Coliseum for this. Uh, no, yep, we are in the Coliseum, Coliseum. 7.30. 7.30. So, 12 o'clock's covered and 7.30's covered. So, there's no telling what's in between at 3.30. There's going to be probably a plethora of games. But this one, it's Notre Dame-USC. It is the wide-open offense of Lincoln-Riley in USC versus that staunch defense and running attack of U- of Notre Dame. 64 over under. USC is a five-point favorite. Um, I'm not messing with the spread here of five. I think this thing goes over 64. USC cannot defend anybody. They can score with they can score on anybody, but they cannot defend anybody. Um I and I just don't know what's gonna happen. This is this will probably be the game where I'm probably gonna be heavy on drinks and I'm staying up late to watch. There you go. Because I think it's gonna be entertaining as shit. Yeah, I'm definitely taking the over here. Um and I think USC probably wins it outright, but I think it's gonna be a shootout. It's going to be uh, – they're going to be slinging it on the USC side, and, and I think that you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of smash-mouth runs, some, bi- some big-time runs from Notre Dame to kind of keep pace there. You're going to see Notre Dame keep pace with big-time runs. Um, I'm wondering how much uh, the Virginia product, Chris Tyree, um, how much run he gets on it. Um, you know – he has not gotten as much this year. He's kind of been their spell back. By the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a name out to you if you remember this guy. Remember Audric Estimi? Yeah. He is one of their big ones. He is their touchdown scorer for Notre Dame. So potentially former Hokey uh Lean is out at you uh, is out at Notre Dame right now. So yeah, and again. If, if you think 12, and this is kind of what this segment's been built around, if Notre Dame seriously, if this is a, a year or two from now when it's on there, if Notre Dame seriously, they're ranked 15th right now. If they beat a top 10 USC team in the Coliseum at, and they go 9-3, and three, look, at the, look, at, look at who's in front of them. Could they lead multiple people with that win and get there? And be like the twelfth or eleventh seed. Uh, I think they still need some help, but I think they could do it. Yeah, I and, think they. You probably need some help from from K State in particular. 
Yep, you need K State to lose to Kansas. Yep. Um, but by the way, the best thing about the whole new setup, per se, is Notre Dame will never get a bye. <laughs> Ever, as long as they stay independent, they will always be playing. Although it would be interesting to see some southern or warm weather team. <laughs> ah, leprechaun. Robbie, what were you drinking tonight down in South Boston? Because I know that's where you are. <laughs> Robbie's at home getting hammered. Robbie's at home getting hammered. Um, there we go. But but for real though, that's they will. But it would be lovely to see some really warm weather teams have to go to South Bend on a December afternoon to play a playoff game. <laughs> All right, last one, Brian. We talked about this one earlier, and I really focused on this one when we were talking about the CFP. And that's that Tulane Cincinnati game, man. It is high noon. It is on Friday. Get whatever you need to get done early. If you're being sent out for Black Friday shopping for your wife, just tell her, 1130, I'm turning around. I don't care. I'm coming home to watch this game. And basically, this is a pick 'em since he's a one point favorite. It's a yep. 46 and a half over and under. Um, I know a couple weeks ago you liked Tulane when they did help cover you with Tulsa. Um, what do you say? Or you have UCF? Excuse me. I'm gonna I'm I'm taking Tulane here. You're staying I, with it. Think it's their I'm year. Sti- I'm, I'm I'm sticking with Tulane. Yeah, I, I think I think it might be their year to do some do a little punching up. All right, because I think if Tulane does win, um. If Tulane wins the conference, they're going to get the the, the uh, New Year's Six Bowl. Um, but I'm going to go opposite of you. I think Cincinnati and Luke Fickle, I think they upset them. Or they essentially – I consider an upset when 24 beats 19. Uh, I think that happens. And I think they play UCF. And Cincinnati is back in a, a New Year's Six playoff game again. Again. All right. Brian, has anything broken in the last hour and 20 minutes? Um, Nothing that I see, buddy. Nothing that you see? What's going on behind me? I was watching the uh, Celtics. Scored like 74 and a half. Do they play defense in the NBA anymore? Not really. Not really? Selectively. 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 Awesome. Well, wait, wait, hold on. Wait a second. Let me put this up real quick. He's in Wilkesboro tonight. First of all, it must be a clear night in Wilkesboro. Yeah, he can actually he can actually hit the comments. <laughs> he can actually hit the comments. All right. Well, if we've got nothing else, Brian. That does wrap us up. That does wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast, brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. I am Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Visit our website, boundarycornerbt.com, to listen to all of our episodes. While you're there, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe on our YouTube or your favorite podcast source, including Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. He's a little bit behind, though. He's talking about Cincinnati now. (laughs) (laughs) As always, we let our buddy Jason Long play us in, play us out. Visit his website, jasonlongmusic.com, where it will link you to all of his music on Apple, Spotify, his YouTube, and Facebook pages. We thank you for listening. And the season may be over, but as always, let's go, Okies!